My name's Nate. If you haven't met me yet, I'm part of the team here at Hope Church. And today we're kicking off the last summer series here at Hope Church of 2021 called Solo. Everybody say Solo. And right now, at the, at the start of this, I just want to declare, I want to prophesy to you today, this solo series is going to take your life so high. Everybody say, so high. Come on, if applied, this solo series is going to get the party started in your life and get you on the track to dominion and victory and life to the fullest like you've never had before. Solo is going to take you so high. One more time, solo. It's going to take me so high. Yes, yeah, so high. Solo cups. Am I right? Solo. How many guys like the solo cups? Props to the props team. Solo cups. You know, solo cups, they're iconic party symbols, right? At almost every summer party, you will run into these carriers. That's really what they are. They're carriers. They're cups that carry the party to your mouth. Sometimes they carry the party wherever you go. The cup is what carries the party. Everybody say carries. Did you know that God refers to you as a vessel or a carrier or a piece of clay that's being molded in the potter's hands? Cups carry the party. You know, growing up, I was always taught that character is the cup that carries the party. Character development is the cup that carries the party the party. Well, actually, they didn't say it like that. My dad taught me like this. Character is the cup that carries the anointing. You might say, anointing? What, what the heck is an anointing? What's, what's an anointing? It's that God ability on his people. Isaiah 20, 20, or 10, 27 defines the anointing as this burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Again, the anointing on your life is this burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God on people. And your character is the cup that carries that burden-destroying, yoke-destroying power of God on your life to others. The anointing is what delivers God's people and sets captives free. I love it. The anointing is literally... God on normal people doing what people can't do. It's God coming on your normal with his super. We call it supernatural. The anointing is something where God comes on all your natural with his super and you step into the supernatural. And again, it's your character that's the cup that carries the anointing. Character is the vessel. I would say vessel. Character is the cup that carries God's power to break bondages. Break brokenness off of other people's life. If you care about other people, you will build your character. If you want to see other people set free, you will build your character. If you want to see bondage and brokenness, Jesus said, I am here to set the captives free, to release the bondages and release the brokenness off of other people's lives. Your character needs to be built. I would say character is what carries the real party to the people. I want to get the party to the people. How many of you guys want to get the party to the people? To say, this freedom, this hope, this joy that I found in Jesus, I got to get it to somebody else. I got to get it to the people. I want to bring the party to the people. And you were created to carry the party to the people. You were created to bring the party to your generation. And we're calling this first installment, bring the party. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, bring the party. 
Welcome to the solo series here at Hope Church. We're going to encourage you to bring the party wherever you go. And it's done by having character. I want to ask you this morning, are you building yours? Have you developed your character? Have you developed yourself in the hidden secret place? Character is developed in private and is seen in public. Character, are you building yours? Because that is how you carry God's power to your home, God's power to your workplace, God's power to your family, and God wants to use you as his agent of power that is too sweet to be sour by giving you an anointing that breaks yokes and strongholds off of people's lives. He wants to use you as his man of power, his woman of power that breaks other people free with his anointing. Character is something you build when nobody is watching, when nobody knows. And it's what we're doing to get started in this series. I want you to know something. This is not a condemnation beat down series. This is going to be a character building series. And oftentimes when we start talking about character, people think about what they're not, where they made mistakes, the hidden things, the secret things, the things they don't want anybody to know about. But I want to tell you, this is not a beat down. This is a build up character series. Not a condemnation fest. We're just going to beat you down and make you feel like you're not good enough and you're never good enough. No, we want to build character into your life. We want you to build something. Ever say build something. And I say that to say as we build our character, there's grace and mercy given to us by God and by people. As we build something, there's got to be grace and mercy given to us and received by us from God and from other people. Because how many of y'all made a mistake, a character mistake? How many of you guys all have character development areas? Yes. And so as we get into the series, if it's going to be a build-up series, we can't go backwards. we got to forget the things which are behind and reach towards the things that are ahead. Press toward the high calling in Jesus. Romans 14.1 tells us like this, to accept people whose faith is weak without passing judgment. Now that's some serious things. To accept those whose faith is weak without passing judgment because weak doesn't mean wrong. I want you to catch that. Just because you're weak doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means underdeveloped. Not strong yet. And I want to ask you, how do you develop strength? By working out. If you were to go in the gym with me, you'd see my scrawny little arms. You're like, how are you going to start? Right where you're at. I don't work out because I'm strong. I work out because I want to get strong. And you got to go without shame, without condemnation, with your weak, scrawny self, and say, there's no judgment. Hey, at least you're building something. At least you're getting into shape. At least you're trying to develop strength in your life by working out. I would say, work it out. Working out things that, well, you're still weak and still growing. That's the whole point. The reason you get strong is because you work out while you're weak. You don't start while you're weak, you never work out strong. you got to start somewhere. And most people are so ashamed and so embarrassed by how weak they are, they never start building their faith. How weak their body is in the gym or how overweight they are, and they never start going to the gym. But we're going to work out with people and without casting judgment because weak isn't wrong. Weak is just in the start. Starting points. And everybody's at a different place in their development stages with God. That's why there's no condemnation, beatdowns. There's just character builds up in this place. I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to feel like, man, I can do this. I want you to know that the Spirit of God is with you. Who or what can stand against you? What you've been before does not dictate or determine who you will be in your future. Come on, you're growing and showing in this place of joyful anticipation for better. 
So it's not about you getting it all right. It's are you in pursuit? Are you in development stages? Paul said, we press towards the high calling in Christ Jesus. He said, not that I've already attained it, not that I've already arrived. He said, but I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Take strength to live here. God sets a high bar because he has high expectations because he believes in you. We know when God expects something, it's because he believes in your potential. So he's saying, I'm not calling you to weakness. I'm not calling you to low bars, low living. I'm calling you to high callings in Christ Jesus because I know you can do it. I want you to hear the voice of God saying, I believe in you. You can develop. You can build. You can grow. You can go somewhere you've never been able to go before. I know your daddy couldn't beat it, and his daddy couldn't beat it, and your mama couldn't beat it, but you can do this. Our God is a God of expectation because he's a God of belief in his creation. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. He knows what you're capable of, and he's calling you up to your capacity. And it's a high call in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, forget what's behind. Just throw it out. Forget what's behind. And reach towards what's ahead. And press towards the high call in Christ Jesus. Come on, we're building something today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to build. Paul says, I'm constantly moving upward. Not to arrive, not because I want to achieve something, but I'm pressing to live a life that's worthy of the calling that God has given me. And it is a high calling. I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing. Tell your neighbor, I'm not perfect. Never have been, never will be, but I'm progressing. Tell them, I'm progressing. I'm progressing. Point number one today, choose progression over perfection. Because oftentimes people get paralyzed. They get paralyzed in their state of overweight. They get paralyzed in their state of weakness. And they say, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't even try. I'm not perfect. I'll never be able to. I can't ever. And they disqualify themselves before they even start progressing. They just say, my imperfection disqualifies me. But I want to tell you, you can develop. And if you are imperfect, welcome to the team. We are all imperfect here at Hope Church. This is a perfect place for imperfect people who are willing to embrace their strengths and work out their weakness with fear and trembling. God says, work out your faith. Work it out. Work it out. Work out your faith with fear and trembling, like caring about it and wanting to move forward. Get something better than what you got. It only happens through press, through the press. How do you get stronger? You press towards the upward call, the higher poundage in Christ Jesus. I want to keep growing. How about you? Choose progression over perfection. Don't get paralyzed in being perfect. Not one of us. No, not one of us. We have all fallen short of the glorious standard of perfection. Come on. We don't come here because we're perfect. We come here because we want to progress. We develop because we believe in God's ability to help us grow. I'm becoming more like Jesus and less like me. That's the whole point of Christianity, isn't it? And I want to tell you there's a big gap. There's a big gap. If we're trying to become more like Jesus and you're looking at me, there's a big gap. Are you comfortable with the gap? Are you embracing the gap? Are you being honest about the gap? I'm be- my whole point in my life is to become more like him and less like Nate. I'm being conformed into the image of Christ, the anointed one. Now, Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. I don't know if you know that. Like, my name is Nathan Hackett. Hackett's my last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. We're trying to be conformed in the image of Christ. Christ literally means the anointed one. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the one who breaks yokes. Jesus, the one who breaks off bondage. If you see Jesus Christ, you say, Jesus, the anointed one. We don't hear the word anointed a lot in normal life. It's like anointing. Is that oils? Is it smeared? Is it smeared, smush, whatever the smearing is? It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Jesus, simply the anointed one. Not Jesus, his last name. It's Jesus, the anointed. And I want to drop this on you this morning to get started. Character is the cup that carries Christ in you, the anointing in you, which God says is the hope of all glory. I want you to get this. Character is the cup that carries the anointing. Christ in you is the anointing. Christ in you is the hope of all glory. Life change, transformation, other people's impact. It's Christ in you. And how do you carry Christ to your generation? How do you carry the anointing to your generation? By building your cup, building your character. Are you catching that? Christ in you, the hope of all glory. That's what your Bible says. It's not you in you. It's Christ in you. And what does Christ mean? The anointing. The anointing in you. Well, I don't know what that word means. Again, (laughs) simply God's ability on your ability. God's super on your natural. And that's part of the reason why I'm saying at first glance, this may seem boring. Maybe not here at Hope Church, but character development, blah, ugh, boring, old school, develop your character, kids. Be a person of integrity, kids. Be really good, kids. It's like, oh, my gosh, so boring. But here at Hope Church, we're, we're saying cups are the carriers, right? My gosh, we got so many party cups. How many of you guys love the party? I want to say, but wait a minute. Character is not a boring subject. That solo cup carries the life of the party to the world. That character carries the anointing that changes and breaks yokes off of people's lives. Yokes of bondage. Come on, that solo cup carries the life of the party to the lips of the people. It's so powerful. It's so significant. It's what makes all the difference really long term is do you have character? I know everybody wants to be successful, but long term success comes from character. Behind the Christ with the Christ, with the anointing on your life. It's necessary for true success. Are you with me? So Paul says, not that I've attained, brother. I'm not there. I'm not perfected. I haven't reached this yet, but I'm pushing as hard as I can push, and I'm working out what I do have. I'm working out the weight I got, the muscles I have, with where I'm at. And what I love about our God is he never asks you for something that you don't have. He never asks for milk from an orange. He asked for orange juice from an orange. So if there's a call from God, you can be confident that he believes in you. And he's not asking you for something you're not. He's simply calling to offer what you do have. To give him what you do, God. To engage with him in spirit and in truth from where you're at today. So in reality, right where I'm at in my faith, I press. It might be no faith. It might be weak faith. It might be slight faith. Wherever you're at, press. Is anybody ready to press with me in this series? Come on, let's get after it. Let's get after it. We're going right to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 for our main text to kick off this solo series. But the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he makes this statement. Against such things, 
there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. Are you with me? Jesus, thank you for your word. I want to tell you, character is the cup that holds the anointing. Have you ever thought about why are letters of the alphabet called characters? You know, why are numbers and certain punctuation mark called characters? Why are ancient statues that are all over Europe referred to as characters? Because they've been there and they've been that way for hundreds of years and they do not change. They're just immovable, unchangeable. So no matter what's going on around these statues, those characters, they keep the same look. They keep the same posture. They have the same little leaf that covers that certain spot of them. They keep the same positioning. They're like characters. They're unchanging. And it has not been modified for centuries. And so they call them a character. A semicolon has always been a semicolon. Numbers have always been numbers. Even in non-biblical, non-Christian environments, something that tends to be consistent and unchanging, they usually connect the word character to it because it's constant. It's something you can depend on. It's something you can put the weight of your life into. It's something you can lean on. Something that I know is that what it was yesterday is the same thing it is today. And I know what it is today is the same thing it will be tomorrow. It does not change. You know that your God is full of character. Why? Because he changes not. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And that doesn't make him boring. That doesn't make him out of date. That makes him relevant and fresh the same way. So he doesn't just show up like he used to. He shows up in a brand new way. Behold, I am the Lord your God who does a new thing. But he does the new thing exactly the same as he did last time. So he's relevant. He's active. He's alive. He gets right to it. And he meets people where they're at. But that's what he did last time. And so his mercy fresh isn't like old mercy. It's like new every day, brand new every day. But it's the same exact way. He changes not. He's consistently good. He's consistently love. He's consistently kind. He's consistent. Like every time you interact with him, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever in a fresh way. He's more consistent than any person that's ever walked the planet. He's unchanging in his nature and in his character. He's a man of his word, and his word is good. Whatever he says, he's got it. Whatever he says, he does it. He's faithful to his promises. Now, character and integrity go together. So we have a God who is full of character and integrity. Integrity is what makes character so powerful. Integrity is like the underneath thing that pushes you to living a charactered life. Integrity means you're integrated. You are one. Integrity means to integrate. Different things integrated into one. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. That is the greatest boast that God has ever made about himself. I am one. God said that about himself. He didn't say that I am one among many. What he's saying is, I'm integrated. He said there are three there's some God parts in heaven and some on earth. Father and the Son are in heaven. Holy Spirit here on earth lives in us, the vessels, the cups. There's the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And these three are one. And they never contradict each other. And none of them are any less God than the other. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father. God the Father is just as much God as God the Son. 
And God says this about himself. Behold, people of God, the Lord your God will never contradict himself. He will never not be one. Therefore, you can trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path, your steps, your life course. The point is he's consistent and you can lean into him. Put the weight of your life on him. He's integral. He does not change. And he's integrated into one. The father will never contradict the son. The son or the word will never contradict the spirit. And the spirit will never contradict the father. And Jesus said, when you see me, you see my father. Because I and my father are one. Me and the father are one. And he said, I do not speak on my own accord. I only speak the words of him who sent me. So when you hear me and when you see me, you see my father in heaven. And then Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter. He's called the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, the person of the Holy Spirit, not an it, not a feeling, not a wind, but when he comes, he will not speak of his own accord. He will speak what I tell him to. So you have three being consistent and never contradicting one another. They are three in one, integral, the Godhead. That's why if you tell me the Holy Spirit told you something that I know does not align with the word of God or the principles of God, I immediately know, yes, you may have heard from a spirit, but you did not hear from the Holy Spirit because he only says what the word says and the word only says what the father says. And Jesus was the word made flesh and the word on paper was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit would never tell you something that was contradicting what he already said. Are you catching what I'm saying? I know it sounds all sorts of gobbledygooky, but it's because it's integrated. It's all in there together. The Word, the Spirit, and the Father. Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, integrated, three in one. Does that give you any sense of stability in an ever unstable world? I can lean into that and not on my own understanding and in all my ways trust him. And I know that he's going to be consistent He's going to be faithful. He's going to be the same God that I started following today and forever. I want you to catch this. These three parts that are integrated and I'm created in his image. He is three parts that are integrated and I'm created. I was set up to be created in his image. So if he has three parts and they're all integrated, he set me up by making me in his image to have three parts that are all integrated. Are you catching that? He's integrated, and you and I were created in his image. Let's say it. He's integrated. All three of his parts are one, and you and I are created in his image. And he wants what he does to be what we do. He wants integration. The three parts of him are all one. He wants the three parts of us to all be one. Father, Son, and Spirit, I'm made up of three parts as well. He created me like this. Body, soul, and spirit. Maybe this is like, you've never heard this before, but you are made up of three parts. You have a body. It's your flesh. It's right here. It's what you see and everybody looks at and you paint it and you work it and you press it and the body. You use it. And you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now that could be confusing because it's three in one, but it's, it's, your, it's your mind, it's your will, and your emotions. And then you have a spirit. And the spirit is the real you the Bible says will return to the one who sent it. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, spirit returns. When you die, the real you lives forever, and that's your spirit, man. 
And here's the process of integration for us. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, in our spirit, we are born again and perfected. That's one part of us out of three. In our spirit, we are born again and perfected. The same thing that Jesus has, we have in this world. We are the righteousness of God. We are perfect as he is perfect. We are set apart as he is set apart. There is nothing more that we can do. The Bible even says we are a new creation. It doesn't say he cleaned up last year's model. It's not Nate 2.0. It's not the best version of me. It's a whole nother me. It's a whole new creation. Are you catching it? We are born again, the Bible says. It's a, it's a genesis, a brand new beginning for a brand new creation. That's you and I. When we give our lives to Jesus, it's miraculous, it's amazing, and it's spiritual. So since I am a brand new creation, God has perfected that part of me. It's a one and done thing by faith, through grace. And there's nothing more that can be done in my spirit, man. But I am a three-dimensional creature. I have two other parts still. I'm one, but I'm three-dimensional. In Romans 7, if you ever want to feel good about yourself, go listen to Paul talk in Romans 7 because he explains, he's describing this great contradiction between his spirit man, his flesh, and the soul, which is his mind, will, and emotions. And he sounds almost bipolar. The things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, and then the things that happen, it's like, oh my gosh, Paul, who are you, man? He sounds like a crazy person. He talks about how every part of him is at war with another, with one another. And it says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. See, Satan is not God's enemy. <laughs> Satan is a defeated foe. Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus, Satan is under my, gosh, he doesn't even have a chance against Jesus or God. The Bible says your enemy, the devil, roams to and fro like a roaring lion. Satan is not God's enemy. Satan is your enemy. But God's enemy is, according to the Bible, carnal mind that's why he says cast down and don't get mad at me i'm not saying your mind is terrible i'm just saying the carnal mind the carnal mind it's, it's the bible says cast down every vain imagination and every thought that exalts itself above the ways of god above the name of god see satan is defeated foe the only thing that's fighting with god is the carnal mind the enemy of god is the carnal mind and the point is if you have not taken your faith and this is really good. I mean, the same faith which you've accepted Jesus and integrated it into your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, your behavior, your conduct, then you are a living contradiction. If you have not taken that faith that made you a new creation and integrated it into your soul and into your body, then you are a living contradiction. You are not one. One part of you is pursuing God. The other two parts are on their own. Why do we come to church every week? That's a good question. Why do we listen to preaching and teaching every weekend? Why do we spend time in the presence of God? Why do we talk to God in prayer? Because we're all in the process of being integrated to where our body and our soul are catching up to what already happened in our spirit in that new creation part of us. And we want to get, get whole as he is whole. We want to get one as he is one. The fact is you cannot take your faith and compartmentalize it. You can't Take your faith that you have in Jesus and trust him to do what he did with your spirit and compartmentalize it to just Sundays and just your spirit. It has to integrate into your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and into your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. When you are made a new creation in Christ, your faith infiltrates and integrates into every part of your life that you let it. 
And unless your faith touches your mood, what good is it? Unless your faith touches your temper, which is your emotions, this is your soul, what good is it? Unless your faith is integrated into your emotions, you are just like everybody without Jesus. High highs, low lows, roller coaster emotional living, up and down with the waving of the wind, tossed to and fro. Don't expect that you would get anything from God. What's the difference? I integrate my faith into my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. Unless your faith, here it is, is integrated into your relationships. Well, my faith is integrated into my marriage, but this on the side thing, you know what I'm saying? That's my flesh and my soul working its thing. You can't not be integrated. You can't be one person with her and another person with the cutie at work. If you weren't willing to do it in front of her, you probably didn't do it with her. Unless your faith is integrated into your decision-making process with your life choices. God, what would you have me do? What's your thoughts? What's your will? What are you feeling about this? Integration of faith. Unless your faith, oh man, is integrated into your finances. Where does your faith show up in your finances? In your relationships? In your decision-making? How you raise your kids, how you treat your spouse. You are not growing if it's not integrated. What it means to walk in integrity and character is to integrate your faith that happens in your spirit into your soul and your body. Are you catching it? Because God says, be holy as I am holy. That does not mean be perfect like I'm perfect. The word holy in Hebrew means one. He said, just like I am one, I'm calling your three parts to be one. And I do not contradict myself. I want you to be the same way. On Monday, it should not contradict with Sunday. And Friday night should not contradict with Sunday. I want all that has happened in your spirit to have consumed your soul and taken over your body. Man, it's quiet in here today. I'm not coming after you. I'm just preaching the word of God and talking about integration. I'm talking about all three parts of you being one person all the time. I want to just tell you, I want to let you know, your spirit runs after God. It desires God. When, when, as soon as you die, your spirit's going to run to God. It's incredibly in hot pursuit of God's ways, God's principles, God's presence. It's so fun to live according to your spirit. Your flesh wars against God. It's everything that's destructive in your life. It's your flesh. And then your soul is in the middle. It's the battle of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it's what keeps your crazy, crazy not happening. And it's what keeps your awesome, awesome not happening. It either blocks you or blocks you from going to jail, if you know what I'm saying. Your spirit is always running towards God. Your flesh is always running away from God. And your soul is in the middle. Again, that's the battlefield of the mind. People write books about it. Her name's Joyce. She wrote a great book. You probably read it before. Battlefield of the Mind. That's one slice of your soul. Battlefield of the Mind. We were singing it this morning. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough, echo in my soul. Why are they singing about minds and souls? Because they're the same thing. It's a sliver of your soul. Then you have your will. Jesus said in the garden, he's about to go to the cross. He said, my God, I don't want to do this. If there's any way for this cup to pass from me, 
would you please take this cup from me? And father's like, and he's like, but nevertheless, I still want you to do it. His father's like, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What is Jesus, what is Jesus expressing? There is a battle in the middle between his flesh and his spirit, and his soul has to win the battle, and he has to speak to his own will and say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, Father. The battle of the mind, the battle of the will, and the battle of emotions. Do you live a life led by your feelings? My God, you're in trouble. Feelings are so fickle. They are not a foundation you want to build on. Do not build life off your feelings. Your flesh will win every time. You want to run with your spirit, which oftentimes contradicts the way you feel. And that's why principles are so powerful. Because you can choose to feel principles, or you can choose to feel wrong, victimized, everybody's against me, everybody's hurting me. I choose to live a principled life, not out of feelings, but out of God's word. I find my principles, my core values from the word of God. I choose those because they align with my spirit, man. So in your soul, there's a battle of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And you want, you want your spirit to win. You want your spirit to win every single time. You want your spirit, that new creation part of you, to dominate and infiltrate all the other parts of you so you can live a life of integrity, oneness, and be one, one person as he is one. Be holy as he is holy. One more time, I want you to catch it. We want what's in our spirit to have consumed our mind, our will, and emotions, and your soul, and to be carried out in your body. Paul says his body's doing weird things. How many of you guys have bodies who do weird things? He says, I make my body a slave. You might not feel good, but I'm in ch- my spirit runs my body. My body does not determine whether I go to church or not. My body does not determine whether I show up or not. I don't feel good today. Welcome to a spirit-led life. Kick that thing in the teeth. Say, you're coming with me. You're coming with me. You are at enmity with God. My spirit wins every single time. Oh, my tummy hurts. Get in line, body. You understand I have real issues. (laughs) Yeah, real issues with my body. I'm telling you, your spirit is what you want to win every single time. You want it to beat your soul and your body. Therefore, when I tell you I'm a Christian, and this is the end result, you can listen to what I say, and my life backs it up. When I tell you that I'm a believer, you can look at my mood and the way I handle my emotions, and it lines up. When I tell you I'm a follower of Jesus, you can look at the decisions I make and the way I treat people, and my life backs it up. And whether the people around you believe what you believe or not, they would say, I know that he is one. I know that she is one. I might not believe everything they believe, but I know what they say they mean and what they mean they do. I know when she says she's going to do it, she does it. And if she's going to do it, she's going to say it. Everything's in alignment. I want it all to be the same. Can people say, what I see on Sunday is what I see on Monday, is what I see on Tuesday night, is what I see on Wednesday morning? Can people say that about your life? Again, this is not a condemnation beat-down series. This is a character-building series. I'm not here to put you in the dirt. I'm here to pull you out of it and say, come on, you can do this. You were born for building character. Without character, you can't carry anything. Can you be what Pastor Dave taught me as a little boy? One person all the time. 
I honor, I respect my father. I don't care what he's done or what he hasn't done. I don't care about the fruit of his life. I know that every single time I saw him when I was a kid at home, he was the same man at church, the same man at work, the same man in counseling, the same man with his wife, is the same man with his kids, same man on vacation, same man when he was depressed, same man when he was happy, same man when things were going great, same man when things were going bad. He was a man of integrity. And what you saw is what you got. We call it wig. What you see is what you get. Are you catching me? And I can follow a man like that. I can run with people like that. I can lean into people like that. I want it to be all the same. One person all the time. Are you with me? Come on, is there anybody that could say, I want to be developed into a person like that? Not perfect, but progressing to be one and more one and more like Jesus, the one and more like Jesus, the one. I want to be a person of character and integrity. I want to be holy as he is holy. Now in Genesis 1, 26, God put some order into order. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And this was the next thing he spoke over mankind. When I say man, I mean women and men. The two were divided after mankind. He said, let us make man in our image and likeness, mankind, and let them have dominion. Now we all love to talk about ruling over our life instead of life ruling over us. But I want you to see there is a protocol. God did not make man and say, let him have dominion. He said, let me make mankind and make them in my image. The word for image there in the Hebrew is the same word for character. He said, let him make them in our character. These three parts into one. And then once he has my character, then he will have dominion. It's image before dominion. I'd like to say it like this. It's character before you crush it. It's character before you crush it. See, you can crush it before you have character, but you'll lead everybody into crashes. If it goes character, <laughs> if it goes character, right, crushing it, you'll lead everybody into confidence, trust, belief in you. Now, if it goes, you know, crushing it, and then you build your character, it's an inevitable crash. Are you catching the progression? Character first, crushing it second, lasting forever third. You catching that? Confidence. Point number two, choose character before you crush it. Next week, we're going to talk more about your gifts and your fruit and the difference between what the Holy Spirit does in gifts and fruit. But you got to get character. Everybody say character. Then crush it. Creates confidence. Confidence in people. Confidence that what I see is what I get. And it lasts a long time. 30 plus years. 40 years in ministry. He said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion because he wants you to crush it in life he wants you to reign in life could it be that the thing that you've never been able to rule over that habit that addiction that hidden proclivity that quiet struggle that you've never been able to get under your feet in dominion over could it be that the key to dominion is not dependent on a heavenly breakthrough but a character being built god would you break through in my life and not make me lazy would you build your character and not be lazy you're waiting for a heavenly breakthrough, and God's like, I'm waiting for you to build a character. And after character is built, guess what? Crushing it happens almost automatically. Dominion happens naturally. I'd say it's almost easy to crush it if character is the cup. The anointing is easy to run in, to walk with. It's, it's easy. What, 
I like Hebrews 2, 6. It's kind of from David. He says, what manner of man am I that you are mindful of me? Hebrews 6, 2, chapter 2, verse 6, it says this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? And son of men that you even care about them. Give a hoot about them. You made them a little bit lower than the angels. I want you to catch that. Just a sliver lower than the angels. You crowned mankind with glory and honor. This is you we're talking about. And put everything under their feet. That's a setup for success. You've been created to crush it. Where do you get all these verses from? It's the Bible. Where do you get all this ideology about you being reigning in forever and life and dominion here on earth and in heaven for eternity? Right here. And putting everything on, every, ever say everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything means everything. And putting everything under them, God left, just in case you were confused, nothing that is not subject to them. What's your confidence problem again? What is your competence excuse again? God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at this time, we do not see everything under our feet. But we will. See, it's obvious. God wants me to rule in life. That's just good theology. And nothing is to rule over me except for the Spirit of God. The ways of God. The standards of God. And a lot of times, we seek the dominion that is promised by God, but we do not allow God, we do not allow ourselves the time to develop our character that carries the ability to operate in dominion. Got to have some grace for yourself to develop a character that enables you to crush it in life. In Galatians 5.22, our starting verse, it says the fruit of the Spirit. These are godly characteristics. The writer tells us the character of God God is love. It starts with love. Joy. God is joy. Peace. Long-suffering. You have these. These are the fruit. You have God in your life. You're kind. Goodness. Hello. The goodness of God is amazing. Goodness is one of his top things. Faithful. That's what we're talking about. These are God characteristics. Gentle, sweet, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. That word law means charge or accusation. People who live bearing this fruit, there is no charge or accusation that can be brought against them that sticks. What accusation are you going to bring against a loving person, a joyful person, a peaceful person, you know, a long-suffering, kind, faithful, gentle, self-controlled person? What's the charge again? What's your problem with that person who's always loving? What's your problem with the person who has complete peace? What's, What's the issue? That's why when other people try to accuse somebody with character, the story does not stick. Because the life that that person has lived outweighs the words of the accuser, the accusation bringer. You know why Satan accuses you day and night before the throne of God, but the words don't stick? And it's actually the accuser of the brethren that is brought down under your feet. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has made you perfect. And what the blood has covered, you can't bring a charge against. I said what the blood of Jesus has covered, your shortcoming, nobody can bring a charge against. Where the blood has been applied, point number three, the accusation falls apart. People who apply the blood of Jesus are free. They got no, you could learn anything about their life. Nothing embarrassing. Nothing embarrassing. Point number three, where the blood of Jesus is applied, the accusation falls apart. I once was lost, and now I'm found. I'm free now. You got a problem? See, every time the accuser of the brethren tries to accuse you, 
Jesus looks down, or the father looks down at the testimony of his son's blood, which has covered all your crime scene with all your DNA over it. It'd be like you murdering somebody and your blood is all over the crime scene. Jesus' blood comes and messes that whole thing up. His blood covers your mistake, your blemish, everything you're guilty of, wiped away in Jesus' name. And the accuser is cast under your feet. That's in the spirit. That's why I can say your spirit is 100% clean, 100% towards God. Your soul and your body and the natural are catching up to that reality. When you operate in these godly fruits, these godly characteristics, there are no accusations that actually stick in the natural. How would you like to live a life in the natural, not just your spiritual life, but your natural life, where you are never worried about any accusations? There is no charge against you. You can't stop people from attacking you. Anybody can say anything about anybody, but it doesn't stick to you if you've lived your life with integrity and character. I'm talking about making you bulletproof, baby. That's not boring. Bulletproof ain't boring. Bulletproof is exciting and it's long-term success. Against these types of people, there is no charge. Against these people, there's nothing that sticks. Anything can be said, but it won't stick. Remember, we're talking about image before dominion. Character development. Man, this series, this solo series, is going to take your life so high because it's all about character and development. God developing you and your characteristics to his characteristics. Your image to his image inside of you. You have a set of core values that will not change. I'd like to ask you this morning, do you have a core? Or do you become every environment that you step into? Do you become the people that you're hanging with? That means you have no core yourself. God does not want you to become every group that you're in. He wants you to be salt in every group that you're in. Salt changes the flavor and the dynamic of wherever it's put. It speaks up when everybody else shuts up. It stands out when everybody else conforms. It leads when no one else is willing to lead. It chooses righteousness when everybody else is choosing sloppiness. Salt changes the flavor of the room where people stop being comfortable with what they were comfortable with. Well, you're just self-righteous and proud and you want to make everybody feel less than you. No, no, no. I want to bring a God flavor to the world. I want to bring a salt. If you're not salty enough to change the flavor wherever God puts you, what good is the salt? The Bible says that salt that has lost its saltiness is only good for the pile of dung heap to be thrown out and trampled on. Welcome to the church. You look the same in every environment that you go in as everybody else. Depressed as everybody else. I wouldn't listen to what you said either. I'd throw it away too. I'd stomp all over it too. You don't have peace. You don't have joy. You have anxiety. You got angry. What do you got that the world doesn't have? It's called the fruit of walking in Jesus. Come on, we want to be salty. That means different to bring a flavor that is inexperienced by the world. I got something to offer somebody. And it's anointing that breaks yokes. It breaks depression off of your life. It breaks anger off of your life. It breaks bitterness off of your life. It's different. It's dynamic. And you want it. It's not so I look better than you. It's so you're set free. It's the captive being set free. It's every single person in your workplace waiting on you to be salty. To set them free. We are not effective as Christians if we're not Christian enough to affect our environment. What good is salt that isn't salty and light that doesn't shine? 
you are salt and light. What good is light that's under a bushel, under a basket, that's hidden and dim and dull like everybody else? Are you catching me? This is not a condemnation series. This is an upward call series. I want to remind you, character is not for anybody else. It's not trying to hurt you, not trying to harm you. It's trying to call you, call you up. I want to tell you this. You weren't born again. You didn't become a new creation. You weren't born again to blend in. You were born again to build lives and set captives free and to bring out the God colors in the world, to bring the flavor and the spice to whatever party you're a part of. We got to bring the party to the people. Do they want what you got in your vessel? I'm telling you what, you want the party I got in my cup. This hits your lips, your life is never the same. This anointing hits your life, you are never the same again. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to bring the party in my generation to develop a cup that can actually carry the party anointing to my generation. If you receive it, if you believe it, if you want it, shout yes in this place.